Joining me now is a former Ontario Blue Jay, former William Jessup Warrior, former Cal Berkeley Golden Bear, and former MLB draft pick, Austin Swift. How are you doing today, Austin? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yeah, anytime, man. And uh, your story is pretty incredible. Uh, doing any research that anyone might do, it, you come across some pretty great sto- stats and the story itself is pretty great. Let's let's get into that, and we'll start back in the youth program in, in Ontario and Canada. What was it like going through the youth programs in Ontario? It's, it's funny because I – so I started kind of playing baseball very recreationally. Um, I was actually in Hamilton. The, the first memory of baseball that I have is I was playing in Hamilton, and, and it was very, very small – youth baseball. Uh, I think it was about five or six at the time. Um, and I played for about two or three years and then I didn't play baseball. Like baseball kind of left my life altogether. And, uh, and it wasn't until I got into high school that I had met one of my classmates and, uh, and he's like, you know, we're on this baseball team. It's a, uh, it's a ton of fun, something to do over the summer and you should actually come try out. So I didn't really get into competitive baseball until uh, going into grade 10. That wow. summer of grade nine going into grade 10. And you, you clearly took to it pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, people who would have seen me play first year would not agree with you. Uh, <laughs> the first year was rough. It was, it was really, really rough. But uh, I transitioned teams there. I played, I played in Rexdale. Um, that's where my friend was playing. And uh didn't have a great year, didn't really understand much of baseball. I, I had watched it, but I really, really didn't understand how to put what I watched into play. Right. And, uh, and so when I switched teams, I went to West Toronto and, uh, and met two guys who kind of became my mentors for baseball. And that's when my baseball career really started. And you turned that and you ended up playing for OBJ for a little bit. What was the OBJ experience like? The OBJ experience was unlike anything that I had ever imagined or thought that I was going to get into when I first started playing. So the difference between OBJ, the caliber of not only their baseball, but instructing and um, care for their players was a, a world difference. It almost felt like I was in, you know, now that I've been through college, I know <laughs> what it's like. It was almost like it was the intro to college. Right. So it actually, we had like our own locker room, our own gym with a trainer, uh, cage, like a, like a big facility that we could, we could go into at any time. So it was really, you know, it was a little bit more funding, but all of the funding you got paid back tenfold. Wow. And that OBJ program has been spewing out some talent for sure over the years. Um, who was probably the best player that you played with in that system yeah good question um because i'm sure there was a bunch (laughs) yeah yeah no the the team that we had was was outstanding i think the year that we we all played together i think we had uh like three or four draft picks and then the next year another three from that same team went so if i had to pick one i have to go with josh naylor i mean he's he's in the major leagues now uh he was with he got drafted by miami and then played uh, in the MLB for San Diego, and now he's with Cleveland. He's actually with his little brother. 
yeah, they're back together. I forgot about back that. Together. Josh and Bo. Yeah. And uh, if, from my hometown, Mississauga. So I, yeah. I'll always shout out the <laughs> Mississauga yeah, boys. Absolutely. Um, has Josh always been as excited as he was during that playoff run? <laughs> he was. He was. Absolutely. So he was the type of player who knew he was really good but off the field wasn't in your face about it. And, and I think that's where Josh and I really got along. Um, he was, he was somebody who was willing to help out. You know, if I ever had a question or something like that, he would help out. But then when he was on the field, he was, he was a different focused, energized person to where, you know, he, he had that kind of swagger that, uh, that you need. Yeah, and you saw it in the playoff run, man. Like Absolutely. jumping over the railing, basically, when his teammate yeah. hit that home run was yeah. – I'm guessing that's just pure Josh, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So after that OBJ experience, you actually were in the 2014 draft. What was the draft prep and then the actual draft experience like as a whole? Yeah, that was uh, – it was scary. You know, it's <laughs> – for somebody for somebody of, of my age at that time – being in baseball, I think by that time it was four years. So it was, um, I actually graduated high school and then I took a year off, but because my birthday's in August, I was still able to play 18U, um, with OBJ. So I had a, I had a mentor, a, a man named Alan Ross, who's still very close to, uh, close to my family. And, uh, he helped out tremendously throughout the, the whole process of, you know, how, how to understand that people are interested when they're interested and you receive the questionnaires for them to actually sign you all the medical information that goes into it. I mean, it is a lengthy process and all the while you still have no idea what's going to happen because people can plan and plan and plan. But once it comes to draft day, it is very to the minute, like your chances can change on a dime. And, uh, and it was funny because I didn't really expect to be picked up um, by Oakland. I, uh, I had been talking to a fellow um, within the Pittsburgh organize- organization and, uh, and we became really close. We talked a lot. We talked a lot about uh, what was going to happen draft day and stuff like that. And I remember <laughs> we, had a, we had a double header in Scarborough the day yeah. of the draft. And, uh, and so I was playing. And I kept getting called over by my family because, you know, they, they were on the phone. They were saying, trying to negotiate, like, Hey, if we take you in this round uh, for this amount of money, are you going to take it? And, uh, and for me, I was like, you know, I'm trying to focus on the game, but at the (laughs) same time, my, uh, my whole baseball career is ahead of me. So it was, it was fun. It was exciting. It was nerve wracking. Yeah. There were, there were so many emotions that went into it. Did you have contact with the athletics organization prior? I did. I did. Okay. I did. So they saw me, I think the first time that they really saw me was at an indoor workout in the winter. Um, right. We held a couple of those at the Ontario Blue Jays facility. And, uh, and that's where I kind of signed the first questionnaire. I uh, really started to get my name out there and, uh, and the fellow who, who actually ended up drafting me was, uh, Matt Higginson with the Oakland athletics, who I actually recently saw and, uh, and we had a good chat, but, um, I did have contact. I didn't know how serious they were though, because it's, it, it gets to the point where 
you start talking numbers and right. you know you, you're a high school kid they they yell out a big number and you're like whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> your eyes widen you get really excited absolutely. absolutely but then you have to take it you have to take it with some context because right. you have to understand um how much your scholarship's worth how much uh growth and potential you would have at at college or university right um so for me it was kind of we were on the same page, but we weren't. They kind of understood what my bottom line was. Um, and then it, it came to uh, it came to draft day. And, and like I said, I was getting calls from from Pittsburgh and stuff like that. And uh, and I I something to give some people some advice. <laughs> Don't be hesitant. Um, <laughs> I was very hesitant when I was uh, when I was talking. I um, they would shout out a number. And I would be like, mm, uh, I think I'd take that. That is the wrong thing to say. Right. Do, do not say that at all. Um, but then it came down to it where the game had finished and, uh, and we had finished just before, uh, just before the, the end of the draft. And, uh, and I got a call from, from Matt Higginson. He's like, just wanted to call and reach out and say, congratulations. We, we drafted you. So that, that was a surreal moment. Like answering that call, what was that like? Like, it, it was exciting. I had uh, I had all of my closest family was there, and um, and I remember them handing me the phone, saying that it that it was Oakland. What it was and it at the park? It was at the park. It was at the park. So your teammates are all there too. Right, right. So so the game had finished, and and we go. I go over to my family to see them after the game and we're all standing kind of under a tree sort of bummed out because, you know, I, I didn't get picked up. Right. And then we, we see we're checking the rounds and it's getting later and later and later. And, uh, and I was starting to get nervous, you know, but at the same time, I understood that, you know, it's a process. It happens. Um, and it's a business. It, it really comes down to that. Um, and then, so when the phone rang, it was like, I, I was nervous because I thought the phone was ringing to say, Hey, we tried our best. Let's right. stay in touch. Right. And so when I, when I heard that, uh, when I heard that I was picked up the, the entire emotion of, of my family just kind of came out and, uh, and my brother, Sean, who, who I'm super close with, uh, he's, he's been along the journey with me this, this whole time. And so you know, for, for him to, to hear those words that I had, I had gotten drafted and everything. It, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, it was a great feeling. It sounds like it. And again, yeah. just to share that with your family and I'm sure if mm. any of your teammates were still there, they were probably jumping for joy Yeah. or yeah. cracking jokes because they're teammates, right. As they yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was funny because, because that, that year, like I said, a couple people did get drafted. And yeah. so, on the selfish side, you know, during the game, some guys who were on the bench were, were scrolling through their phone saying, uh, <laughs> saying like, ooh, ooh, ooh uh, he just got drafted. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was kind of like bittersweet. But at the same time, I was, I was super, super happy for them and for, uh, for their opportunity. So yeah. I think when it finally did happen for me, it was, it was relief. And I think that everybody could see, um, you know, that they – that a weight had just been lifted off and, uh, and that we could kind of all enjoy it together. 
And then the decision came to whether or not you would actually sign. Right. What was that process like? And how did you come to the decision to end up going uh, to JUCO instead? Yeah. So I think, I think it was about a week or two weeks after the draft um, that I got a call from Matt saying, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of talk some numbers. Let's see if we can finalize something. Right. And that was, that was the year that Matt Chapman got drafted. Uh, Oakland took him in the first round and, uh, and so something that, something that happens with the draft is you have a certain amount of money that you have. And, you know, if, if you sign a bunch of people, if people actually accept to all the, to all the terms by the later rounds, they, they have less money. Um, and so for me, it was, it was a serious talk with, with uh, my family to where, you know, what is, what is my absolute bottom line? Let's, let's take what my scholarship is worth. Let's take what my opportunity in school is worth. Um, Because once you go in, let's say you were to be let go, it's very hard to get back. Right. Whereas if you don't go in and you go to school and you still progress, then you still have that opportunity to get in there. And now I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate that it, it was about money because I don't think it is. Um, but it's about but the weighing thing. the factors, right? Like you right. had, you had the scholarship opportunity at Blinn mm-hmm. and you wanted to make sure that what you were getting out of the Oakland would have been more than the equivalent. Right. Mm, right. Right. And, uh, and we had chalkboard cupboards. So we were, we were actually writing down all of our <laughs> options. Um, I can just imagine that everyone coming in every morning. Okay, yeah. we got to change yeah. this. This has to change. <laughs> That's how it was too. We were we were trying to play it all out, um, and then it kind of came to the thing where you know a decision had to be made, and uh, and I had a bottom line, and and I don't think they were they were necessarily willing to go that high, right. and uh, and so we left on good terms. To be honest, we left, and uh, it was a hard decision. But it was a decision where I'm looking forward to the future. I'm looking right. forward to keeping the relationship close um, and going to school because I was excited to go to school for sure. And that's a common thing for draftees in the MLB is that mm-hmm. there's, I mean, you, it was 35 rounds your year. I know it's down a little bit now this year, but uh, it was 40 that oh, year. Oh, it was 40. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you think about how many people are getting picked, right? Like, mm-hmm there's a lot of players who just aren't going to find spots. That's so right. it's, it's a normal occurrence, but then you got to go to Blinn mm-hmm. and not only did you go to Blinn, you excelled there in 52 games. Mm-hmm. You had a 353 average. Yes. I think you also <laughs> had 10 home runs, 27 RBI, something like that. Yeah. It was, uh, it's it a coming was- out party. Sorry. It was a coming out party for you. It was, it was. And it's, it's kind of funny because um, throughout my entire high school career, I had never hit a home run. Um, really? Really. I was a, I was a big time contact hitter. Uh, I, I very much was taught, use the whole field, kind right. of drive high contact, low strikeout, that kind of stuff. Get on base sort of thing. Right. And uh and so just before I had gotten drafted, uh, I think it was around, around New Year's of 2014, I want to say, um, I, uh, I went to the Power Showcase. And it's, uh, it's a home run derby. And uh, 
I, I went there not ever hitting a home run in a game. I did have some power in terms of like batting practice, right. but I didn't think it was my game. So I didn't really establish uh, that part of it. Um, so I went there and I, I did well. I think I came, I like tied for fourth or something like that. It's not bad in that account in that showcase. It's not, it's not bad. Um, it's not like Josh. Josh was at it the year before, and and I think he uh, he came second or first or second. I can't remember. But, but he was always a power hitter, so that's expected. Yeah. So for me, it, it was fun. It was a wonderful opportunity, and again, my family was able to come down to Miami when uh, when we did it. But uh, but when I got to college. Um, I got, I got hurt my first year. It, uh, it was new territory for me. I had, I had never been hurt before and I got there my first year and I felt like because I was somebody who got drafted that I needed to be way better than everybody else. You know, I had to, I had to show that I was maybe worthy to, to be drafted. So for me, it was kind of, fighting myself my first year because I wasn't getting the results that I wanted to. Um, You quickly find out that when you go play in the U S and when you go live in the U S and play, it's two very different things. Um, The way they handle baseball and especially being in Texas, we were able to play year round. Um, It is very, very different. And the caliber of baseball is very, very different. Absolutely. Um, so I think it was two weeks before our first game of the season, we were, we were having an inner squad and uh, ball was hit to center. I dove, I caught the ball like this and then my glove got oh, stuck yeah. and I landed on it. So oh. I, uh, I had, uh, I, I had surgery, I think two days after it happened, um, a screw and a, and a pin were put in there. Jeez. And, uh, and, and that was kind of the moment where I started doubting a lot of things, you know, I started thinking maybe I should have been a little bit more, um, accepted to the draft. You know, maybe my expectations shouldn't have been so high. Um, and then it kind of became, a thing where it was truly a blessing in disguise. You know, I was able to take a step away from the game for the first time since I had started playing. I felt like since I started playing, I, I, I needed to catch up. I was always right. behind and I needed to be better. Right. Um, so I started at Rexdale and then I needed to be better when I went to West Toronto. And then I needed to be better when I went to OBJ. And then from OBJ, I got drafted and then I went to junior college and I needed to be better. So for me to kind of take a step back and learn who I was as a, as a baseball player, um, like I said, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. So when I went uh, back for my second year, cause with the injury, I was out about eight months right. full, full recovery. So, yeah. So you missed um, most of 20, you missed all of 2015, basically. I did. I did. And, uh, and it was hard. I came back for, um, I came back in the, in the winter, um, after, or sorry, for the summer. And then when I went back for fall baseball, I was very, very nervous in my wrist. You know, it, it was fully healed, 
but that that mental block yes. was uh was very hard yeah. and uh and it wasn't until i started asking my hitting coach and uh and even the players around me kind of what their hitting philosophies were to where i could learn to be a more complete hitter um and then you know like you said i was i was able to have a, a really good year my my red shirt freshman year <laughs> red shirt, yes. yeah what was so you talk about that recovery and everything that you had to go through what helped you get through that because everyone has their own thing sometimes it's family sometimes it's just a little bit of downtime that helps them get mm-hmm. through it what what was it that helped you get through it's funny because uh when you're down in the US and your entire family lives in Canada you don't have family per se exactly um, yeah. but i think there's something special about baseball community and not only the baseball community in terms of your teammates and coaches but the fans yeah the the people who now Brenham where Blinn College is is a very small town so everybody kind of knew everybody and uh and it was my psychology teacher um who actually took me under his wing um and helped me out a lot when I was down there wow so you know, not only did it feel like I had family there, I also had people who were looking out for my best interest and, uh, and really helping me to overcome that injury that I had, because like I said, I, I was unsure. And, uh, and it wasn't until I came to terms with, um, with my injury and with the fact that, you know, once you get drafted and turn it down, like that's it, it's in the past. Um, So I think it was once I came to terms with that, that I was really able to understand, you know, this is what I need to do. And this is what I need to get, do to get over my injury. And, uh, and like I said, the, the psychological part of that was, was the hardest. Absolutely. And that's, that's something that a lot of, a lot of high-end athletes have to go through at some point, mm-hmm. some to varying degrees. Um, but to hear that it was a psychology prof who actually helped is, is kind of an interesting story for sure. Yeah. So after your breakout season in Juco at Blinn, mm-hmm. you actually ended up going D1, right? I did. I did. And, uh, it wasn't easy. No, I, I doubt it would be. <laughs> it's, uh, I was, I was at a place where technically I could have gone back to Blinn college. Right. Because I had redshirted the first year, I was eligible to play in junior college another year. The only issue was I had too many credits. So you couldn't actually go to the school. Right. So if you can't enroll in, I believe it was 12 units of classes, then you can't participate in sports. So although I was baseball-wise eligible, I was academically ineligible. Right. So I had to transfer. Now, the transfer process was super, super hard because I believe that at the time, although we did have Division One scouts and, uh, and all that come out to our games, I, I, I wasn't really talking to anybody. Right. And I think a large part of it was the fact that I still had that year of baseball. Yeah, they weren't, they didn't think about it, right? Right. Um, so that left me in the case where I came home uh, shortly before I came home. I started emailing all Division One schools that I wanted to go to. 
I think I emailed probably about a 80 to a hundred schools. Oh, I, I believe it. I went through yeah. the process myself, so I believe it. <laughs> it. It was tough. Um, I would lay out all my stats from the previous years. I would, uh, I'd send video of myself hitting, throwing, fielding, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and I didn't hear back, you know, I, I sent out so many and I, and I didn't hear back. I heard back from a couple who were offering me a, uh, a potential walk-on spot. Right. Um, but that, that wasn't going to be possible. Um, school in the U S if you're out of state is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Ridiculously expensive. So one of the schools that, uh, one of the schools that I was talking to offering a potential walk-on spot was, uh, $45,000 a year just for tuition. So not including housing meals, books, yada 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 and they can get up to 60 so absolutely um so that was rough so what happened was i actually reached out to the pittsburgh scout that i was super super close with right um and i said you know i'm, I'm kind of desperate i'm looking for somewhere to go um is there anybody that you know who you know would be willing to at least take a look at me so we set up a i think it was a week where I would go to six different schools uh, in the Northeast. Wow. So I drove down there myself, traveled to these six different places and did a workout for each one of them. Wow. Because that was, that was the only way that I was going to have an opportunity. Of course. Yeah. And, and uh, it was fun, but it was also nerve wracking because I, I didn't have anywhere to go. And, uh, and so I finally heard back from one of the schools and uh it was called Bryant College in yep. I believe it's Rhode Island. Um, and uh, I, was, I was super, super excited that they reached out. Uh, financially, though, because it was so late, they didn't have a lot of money. Right. Um, not that I wouldn't have been able to make it work, but, uh, you know. It just wasn't ideal, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so then I went back to obj to train and uh and i was talking with mike steed the the head coach there and uh i was like steed i i need some help i need i need you to find me a school i'm uh i'm trying to find something i've reached out to a bunch of people uh, i'm not hearing back so i trained i trained at obj for like a week or two and then i i went back to steed and i was like is there anything and he said he hadn't heard from anybody um, so I was starting to think like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep playing. And, uh, so after one day of training, I went back to Steve and I was like, Hey, please tell me there's something. And he said, <laughs> no. And so I got in my car, I was about to start driving home and I got a call from, from Mike, from Steve. And, uh, and he's like, come back in here. I, I need to talk to you. So I went back in there and, uh, and he had just received a message from uh, the University of California, Berkeley, saying, we're looking for an outfielder. Do you have anybody? Preferably a, uh, a junior college guy, like a transfer. And so that fits. <laughs> yeah, Mike was like, well, this is perfect. Um, so I, so I reached out to, uh, to Cal and, uh, and we talked about, 
you know, my baseball career and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I didn't go on any visit. They had money because um, somebody who they thought wasn't going to get drafted did get drafted. So his scholarship was available. Right. It was late in the year, so they would have lost the money anyways. Um, so they were like, come on down. Let's, wow. uh, let's, let's bring you out. And so for me, not only was it an amazing academic school, uh, Pac-12 baseball as well, um, it was an opportunity where, you know, I was able to have a, uh, a full scholarship. Yeah, absolutely. So I think tuition at Berkeley was around 60000 so not including everything else. Doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was crazy. But uh, so I committed. I was like, absolutely. Um, super, super thankful for the opportunity. And, uh, and so I went down there and, uh, and uh, lived down there. Wow. Going, going to a school that you've never actually been to is also a, like a crazy experience, I bet. It was a little scary. I, I looked it up on Google Maps because I, I just wanted to kind of understand the area. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you played there for a year, mm -hmm. mostly in a backup role and yes. uh, filling in in the outfield. Mm -hmm. um, and then you got the opportunity to transfer. Right. And you ended up going to NAIA school, William Jessup. That's right. And you, yeah. once again, exceeded probably all expectations you had for yourself <laughs> going there. I did. So to quickly touch on Cal. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. I think that again, going from junior college to division one was a gigantic step, right? Probably the biggest step I had to take. Um, and being that it was a new place last minute, everything nobody really knew about me right. um i feel like there was a, a lot of pressure so again there was kind of that intro to junior college there was pressure got hurt was able to uh, exceed that go over to d1 a lot of pressure didn't succeed um and i think that that was really aside from my injury the turning point in my career because I learned so much from failing. Um, a lot of people would have taken the situation that I was in super, super negatively. And th of course there were times where I did as well, but, yeah. uh, but I think that the assistant coach that, uh, that was there allowed me to train like nights and stuff. Yeah. And help him uh, volunteer to coach, um, like instruct some hitting. So I really had an opportunity to teach again, which is what I did when I was with West Toronto. I, uh, I taught baseball in the facility, even though it was only my second year, I figured the best way for me to learn how to hit myself was to teach somebody. Cause right. I feel like if you can teach it, you truly understand. Um, so having that opportunity and, uh, and spending the nights with him kind of picking his brain about it. He played in the minors for, for a little while. And, uh, that was, that was a really, really amazing opportunity for me. And, um, and it's funny because I had to transfer out of Cal. Yeah. It was, 
like I said, the money was freed up by, by the guy who got drafted. So they had no money for me the next year. I kind of signed a, I signed a, a, a deal with Cal where it was a hundred percent the first year, zero the second year and 50 the third year. But okay. for me, I was only planning on being there for a year. Right. I thought that I was, you know, going to get drafted as long as I played well, you know, I was, I was going to get picked up again. Didn't work out that way. Not that it always happens the way you want it to, but you would like it to. Of course. And, uh, and so I, I remember having a couple talks with, uh, with David Esker, who was the head coach at Cal at the time. Um, off the field was, was really, really something that I wanted to establish with, with all my coaches. I wanted them to understand and, and like me as a person as well, as, right. uh, as I saw them as role models. So for me, when I went in to talk to them, I, I wanted to talk to them very honestly. And, uh, and so I talked to him about the, the financial situation that I would be under next year. And, um, so he understood. And there were a couple guys who played at Cal previous years who went to Menlo college, um, out of Cal. And, uh, and so I was talking to him about places that I might be able to transfer to. And so one of the places that he suggested where Cal players had played and then transferred over and had been successful was, uh, was Menlo college. So that's when I, uh, that's when I made the call to Jake McKinley, who told me that he was leaving Menlo and going to William Jessup. Right. And I, I'll always remember this call because we were on the phone talking and, and he wanted to meet in person. Um, and he wanted to meet, at William Jessup because he had already gotten the head coaching job. And right. so I did a little bit of research into William Jessup and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go here. It was, Oh, it, it seemed like it was such a bad idea, but I truly trusted who Jake was and how he could turn around a program. Right. And, uh, and that kind of leads into my William Jessup career where I think we had the biggest turnaround in college sports history. Um, the program had been going for about two years. And uh, the last year they won 10 games out of almost 60. Right. And then the first year I was there, I think we won 44 games out of 60. That's, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, we, we came first in our conference. Um, we hosted a, a super regional, a super regional, if you will. Um, and we were one game, one game away from going to the world series. So it was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a step that I decided to take based on the coach and not the history of the program. And it, it worked out for you for sure. I mean, you led the team in your first year in batting average, batting 365, which still is an incredible number. Every time I read it, I can't believe it. Adding 18 home runs for a guy who, as you said, just three years earlier, didn't consider yourself a power hitter. That's pretty Mm -hmm. incredible, man. Thank you. It's uh, that year, that year was something special. You know, uh, there's, there's a certain bond that you have with, teammates and if you can extend that 
with the coaches as well. It, uh, it makes for a very fun environment. For sure. So after two years at William Jessup, where you guys had all of this success, and that was even up until it was in the beginning of this year too, 2020, right? Uh, 2019. 2019. Was, was my last year there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you've made the transition sort of to coaching and you've talked a lot in the last little bit about coaches being role models and Mm -hmm. how important it was for you to try to show them that how important they were to yourself. Right. Did that kind of sway you to go into coaching? (sighs) Yes and no. Um, (laughs) It, it was very hard for me to come to terms that my baseball career was ending. Um, as it does for most for most people who who play their whole lives for for a goal, um, especially being drafted, it uh, it was hard to not get redrafted. Um, but it was something that I understood, but I was still working towards. So when I finished in May of twenty of uh, twenty nineteen, I still continued to train. I would, I would train as if I was still in college and, uh, and I was working, um, at that baseball facility doing lessons and I was trying really, really hard to see if I could get a free agent deal or if I could go play overseas because I, I wanted to go play over in Japan. Um, and so for me, it was kind of the, the excitement of still being able to train, helped help the process right. helped me to eventually slowly let go um it wasn't really until uh covid hit that i realized you know i was done playing um but coaching kind of came out of nowhere i always instructed and i enjoyed instructing because one on one you can really establish that relationship right Um, you can really sense what the other person is thinking. And if they look up to you in a certain way, because of the success you had, you can really relate to them on that level. So it wasn't until, uh, Flavio Volpe, the the head coach for the Toronto Cubs, um, asked if I could be the hitting coach for his 15U team that I really even considered coaching, um, because I felt like if I was done playing as much as I love the game, I didn't really want to be around it to where I can't do something about it. Right. You know, if, uh, if I'm playing in the game, I feel like I have a sense of purpose to where I can help try and alter the game's outcome. Correct. Um, yeah, that makes sense. As a coach, <laughs> I'm trying to do it a different way, but, uh, a little more stressful as a coach because you can't do it yourself, right? <laughs> right. You're like, you just got to do it this way and you want to show them, but you can't. Uh, yeah. But it added a level of of happiness that, uh, that I was able to impact some younger kids' lives as well. Because when I first started playing, when I, when I moved to West Toronto, uh, my two coaches, uh, David Quattrochoki and uh, Raf, who I worked with, at the facility with um, were really the most inspirational people I had at that time. They, they really taught me, you know, how to hit, how to field, how to throw, 
how to instruct, but also how to be a good person. Um, so I felt like I could take what they taught me and give it to these younger guys. So it's nice to have some accolades behind you because I feel like it gives people or it gives you a sense of status to where people will start to understand and, and really believe in what you say. Absolutely. It gives you a little um, confidence too. Absolutely. So when I first came on, um, I think the guys were excited that the level that I had played at was going to be helping them to get better. And, uh, you know, I had, I had never had to deal with 15 year old kids from an older person's perspective before. It's a so challenge. it was a challenge <laughs> and it was, it was a fight between they're at the time in their lives where I first started playing. Right. The year of school that they're in was when I started. And so for me, when I was in high school, I was waking up at five to go to the gym with my two friends uh, at the condo I lived at. And we would eat breakfast together, go to school till about three ten or so. Yeah. And then I would travel about an hour and a half by subway just to get to the training facility. Right. And then I would train, I would teach and I would bus home or hopefully get a ride from Raf sometimes if we were leaving at the same time. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I wouldn't get home till midnight, but I'd wake up at five and do it again tomorrow because that's something that I really dedicated myself to. And so as a coach, when I see people the same age who don't have the same aspirations per se, um, or don't want it as bad, I have to understand that their feelings of, of where they're at and where they're going are different from what, what I felt as a kid. Right. Um, so that was probably the most challenging part was really as I am a, a bit of a stricter coach in terms of um, not discipline, but when you go through junior college, it's basically like military. It's, it's boot you camp are, for you. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no restrictions to junior college just to kind of get off topic a little bit. When we were in junior college, I remember we played down in Galveston, which was about a two hour drive. Right. We played a double header and we played terribly. <laughs> oh God. We played so bad. Um, when we got home, uh, the bus pulled up to the field and our coach said, get off. We're, we're starting practice. And it was midnight. And so after we played two games on the road all day, we got off. And one thing we struggled with was hitting velocity. So he set up the machine pretty close. We had to take BP while everybody else was running. And oh. so we practiced for about an hour and a half. To, uh, <laughs> And that That's a fun midnight practice. Jeez. Yeah. So it junior college is something else and it really helped me mature a ton. Yeah. So kind of going back when, when I see people who are motivated to play baseball in a different way, at first I found it hard to connect with them. And it wasn't until maybe about two months in where I really started to understand each individual person, um, what they really wanted that I was actually able to open up and understand their situation. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, 
That's pretty incredible. And the transition that you've made is, mm. it has to be something that you're, you're proud of for sure. I, I try to be, I, <laughs> I think, I think there's a part of me that I, I am a, I'm a perfectionist at heart. So yeah. I think there's, there's always room for improvement, you know, as a, as good of a season as the Toronto Cubs had, I mean, we came first in, in the Fergie Jenkins league as good of a season we had, there are moments where I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, of course. We, we really need to work on some stuff. And uh, that's what working with 15 year olds does to you. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So it's, uh, you know, as, as much as I'm getting better as a coach, I want to help the kids get better. Right. Um, I want to give everything that I know to these young guys so that they can implement it so that they don't have to wait until, you know, I was probably about 22 by the time that I really realized this is what I need to do to be successful. Yeah. You know, I want them to, I want them to get that as soon as they possibly can. Yeah. Help them along their path for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, your story is incredible. I'm so happy that you came to join us for this uh, interview. We will definitely have you in our thoughts every time we want to talk baseball. So you will be back. I'm sure very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'd appreciate that. So once again, Austin, thank you for joining us. Austin Swift, former Oakland athletic draft pick turned hitting coach of the Toronto <laughs> Cubs. Incredible story, man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.